Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of Agents of Mace. Uh, we are back. We got some announcements, and uh, this one's going to be a fun episode because we're covering new content. We have a, the Spider-Man movies out across the Spider-Verse, so um, definitely an anticipated movie of mine for sure. Um, we'll dive into this here pretty soon. But getting into the announcement first, you'll start seeing something new if you follow us on social or if you're listening to us on any of the podcast platforms. We have a new logo. We have been working on this for quite some time now, so there's a lot of things that we want to do with this, but I know for sure you will definitely see this on Spotify. It should be out on the podcast platforms, but we will be talking more about this and doing a social media announcement around it soon. So it's been a work in progress. We're really excited about it, and hopefully we will have um, something for the listeners as we move forward through this year. So definitely stay tuned on that and follow us. Um, cause it's really, really cool and really, really excited about it. But, uh, we have a special guest on this episode. We have another podcaster, our good friend, Andrew Sweatman. He is the creator of arthousegarage.com and the host of art, art house garage podcast, which features a rotating selection of filmmakers and critics discussing art house, indie classic and foreign cinema as the snob free film podcast. Art House Garage exists with the goal of making challenging cinema accessible to budding cinephiles and art house newbies. The Art House Garage podcast has featured a wide variety of guests and seeks to elevate diverse voices both on the podcast itself and behind the camera of the films we choose to cover. So welcome, Andrew, to the Agents of Mace. Yeah, We're excited to have you. you. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be on. Yes. Um, so one thing um, for listeners, uh, and we'll link everything, of course, um, in social and descriptions and things like that. Um, we've kind of all collabed on one Marvel thing recently when the multiverse of Banis came out, we got into basically a big group of, of Arkansas creators and we talked about that. Um, so you can find us there. Um, unfortunately drew is not going to be on this episode. Um, him and his wife have recently bought a house. So big congratulations to them. So they've got a lot on their plate. Um, but Drew will be back soon once we get back into Jessica Jones and any future Marvel content. So, um, but today we're going to talk about Across the Spider-Verse. 
Uh, before we kind of kick things off, um, Andrew, I, was, I, I want to kind of start things off. Very curious to, I guess, your story around comics, yeah. Marvel in general. Like, was this a big part of your childhood growing up? Just very curious on that. Not so much. And I was thinking about it. It's funny. I, I have a friend who's my age, too. And he said, like, I feel like our generation were like Batman kids. Batman was like the thing. And then now, nowadays, everyone's Spider-Man kids. It's like all the kids love Spider-Man and, and rightly so. And I love, I've always loved Spider-Man as well. Um, didn't read a ton, ton of comics growing up or anything. My brother was a little more into it. So if ever there was like some comic lore, I'll text him. Like, hey, what's the deal with this? And he usually knows pretty well. Um, text him or text you, Luke. <laughs> you can explain <laughs> things to me. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm mean, excited to be on this show. Uh, Luke, I've had you on a couple of times. We talked about the Northmen and mm-hmm. was there another one too? Maybe at least I've never had you on the show. I need to do that soon. So Absolutely. I'm glad to, glad to be here and uh, yeah, sure. But yeah, generally not um, a huge comic book person. I enjoy superhero movies um yeah so uh, i guess as far as this movie is concerned maybe we're going to get into it but mm-hmm. like i feel like i'm i'm not certainly not as into comic book things as you guys are and i think over the last i'm probably one of those people over the last year and a half or so like my marvel movie interest has kind of been waning a little bit with mcu and stuff uh, so maybe i don't know if that's gonna be it uh make your listeners unhappy to hear me but um i but this with spider-man generally i'm gonna be excited and uh, for some for whatever reason i wasn't anticipating this one so highly i love into the spider-verse the first one mm-hmm. from a few years back i've seen it a million times my kids love it um but this one just wasn't as much on my radar i was like yeah i need to, I need to go see this and then we'll get into it but I'm so so glad that i did but yeah awesome no that's great that's incredible um yeah, yeah, I'm the same with like Batman and Spider-Man for me growing up. Um, and Into the Spider-Verse, I really love that one, and, and we'll link that episode below. Um, but going into this one, one thing we love to do is uh, we just basically share our what was like your initial reaction as you walked out of the theater, and then we'll def- from that we'll kind of go into the specifics of the movie. Um, so yeah, what, what was our initial reactions leaving the theater on this? And this is open forum. Whoever wants to jump <laughs> in first. first. <laughs> Me? Um, for Luke. <laughs> how about you go first, Elisa? Okay, so <laughs> people who have listened to this podcast know that I loved and adored the first Spider-Verse movie, um, which I actually was not expecting to. The first time I saw the preview, I kind of, and I'm, I'm not really sure why I made this connection in my mind. I thought it would be like one of those like adulty Batman cartoons that they put in the theater for like a couple days. And so I thought they were doing that with Spider-Man. And so I was like, eh. and then <laughs> I got clued into the fact that it was Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who are two creators who I don't think they've ever done anything bad. Um, and have in fact, a, multiple times surprised me with how good the things that they're producing are given what kind of properties they are. (laughs) Like they made a very good movie out of cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Um, And so this one, I knew it would be great. Um, I had no doubts that this would falter even a little bit from the first one. And it didn't. I mean, it delivered on every single level. I loved all the new characters. The visuals were probably better than they were the first time around. Um, And so... I have no criticisms, no notes, and I'm very impatiently waiting for Beyond the Spider-Verse next year. 
that's kind of how I feel too. I think <laughs> so. Yeah, I love Into the Spider Verse, and I guess my hesitation was like, can they possibly capture that magic again? Like maybe my expectations were a little lower because because it was like the first one was so good. How are you gonna how are you gonna do that again? But they absolutely did. I feel like it totally delivered. Um, I'm just so impressed by how packed with creativity both of the films are in this one. Yeah, it really just takes some of the things that work so well and, and pushes them even further. And I'll get into some specifics later about like what are those things that I thought worked so well. But, um, but yeah, I, I was kind of blown away by it, and especially not having the highest of expectations. This was like, this is the best movie I've seen all year, you know, it, it, like animated or otherwise. I think it's so, so good. So, yeah, I'm a big, big fan. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think everyone's going to know I'm on the same board. <laughs> uh, 2018 Into the Spider-Verse was my number one movie for that year. So I have so much connection with this. Um, everything from the animation to to the voices to the music. Music's such a big part of my life too. And that's another reason why I've connected with these is just is how they layer in the music with the animation. And I love the voice cast on this. So um this this is so funny because like I I knew that they announced this was going to be a two parter so I went in knowing that and having that expectation. Um, my wife completely forgot so when so it was uh, I I have seen this movie twice. I went and saw it by myself and then I saw it with my family, and so it was really interesting to kind of read off their faces when when you get to the ending of this because it does seem that's where some of the um, general, I guess the, the general complaints about it is how it ends. And I guess people completely forgot this was a two parter. Um, but yes, I do think this delivered, there is, uh, one particular aspect I really, really connected with that we'll get into. Um, but we can definitely start off with some of the things that I found to be very, very impressed with one of which this budget was a hundred million. And this is a two hour and 20 minute long runtime movie. And that alone just blew me away because this feels like this could have been way more than a hundred million dollar budget. Um, because the big moment at the end, that alone took four years to create. Hmm. Wow. Which is pretty wild. And the, the one thing I haven't looked up, so I don't have the accurate number here and want to get this is the amount of animators that they brought in on this project because I just discovered yesterday this was like a public announcement that that they made was that there is a a moment kind of in we we almost have two intros with this one we get an intro it's almost like we get this intro with Spider Gwen but we even get somewhat of an intro with Miles Morales before we really get into uh the rest of this movie but um there's there's a moment where we get into this Lego verse and this was created by a 14 year old um, I sent the article to both of you. Yeah, I don't know if, you, yeah. if you read through it, um, but I was so impressed. Uh, and the quick story around this is this kid recreated the, uh, the trailer and that's how it got to their attention. And so then, then they just contracted him out to do this little sequence in the movie. That's amazing. So were they planning to do a Lego section already? It feels like such an integral part of the story that they must have, but I don't know. The, yeah. They might, the, this, I, I'm, that I, I would love to know more accurately. It feel it's just it fits in with everything, yeah. especially once we get into Spot and, and understanding um, mm -hmm. his purpose in this. Um, it, it definitely makes sense because this is a yet again a multiversal mm -hmm. Marvel movie. Um, 
and I think that's where things are just getting so wild because it's almost like every Marvel movie right now deals with the multiverse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so once again, this is brought up, but uh, we do get some references because a, a big part of this movie is the canon events. And that's kind of the highlight as we get into into near the ending of things. Um, but I guess let's just kind of break this up into um, the mm-hmm. the first intro, which is basically for Spider Gwen. Um, I really like this one. Um, the animation style is kind of taking a reference from Cinderella, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. And we're getting we're basically just thrown right into um, after Into the Spider Verse has ended everyone's kind of gone their own way. They're back into their own universe and they're basically just dealing with their own normal problems. Again, they're dealing with the loneliness, Gwen, Mrs. Miles, um, the secrecy, like, you know, we, we just got, we get more, I guess I'll go right into like the, the one thing that I connected with most is that this superhero movie, this comic movie feels like this is for the parents. There's so many elements in this that deal with the parents and their connection to like, you know, how they're trying to communicate with their now teenage children and they, they know stuff's going on and they want the best for them. And it's just kind of that coming of age style story. Though I do feel like the children were a little bit young, you know, Miles is supposed to be 15 and he has moments where, you know, he's saying like, I'm basically an adult now. And I felt like that's, Kind of pushing it a little bit for 15. I don't think I was like well, that at 15, but I don't know yeah, these days. I mean, I think he feels that way. And I think even as the audience, we can say, okay, but he's 15. Yeah, he's yeah. dealing with a lot of mature stuff, but like he is still a kid. But that doesn't mean he can't also uh, make his own decisions sometimes, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And as a teacher, I can report that they absolutely think that they are grown. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I love this opening sequence too. I think so. So much of this, one of the things I love about this too is that uh, Gwen gets to be almost a co lead. Like it really still is Mm -hmm. Miles' story, but she, her story runs parallel and it it is really has a lot of depth. It's not just, you know, our our female heroine over here that is serving as like a romantic foil or something for him. But she really, we like this movie made me cry like six times. And in that opening section, it was a couple of them because like, yeah, her relationship with her father, just like seeing that she's going through so much. Like obviously we're like, Oh, miles, Mrs. Gwen. Like that's mm-hmm. where you know that going in, but like she's dealing with so much too. And she's so lonely. She's seeing his reflection in the, the windows of the subway and like, um, feeling so displaced. Uh, and like, I think the song at that, that opening section too, that has like a lyric about being far from home and like, it, it all I think comes together you really feel that mm-hmm. uh, but yeah what you're saying too about the animation style of this opening really each universe looks so different and, and so mm-hmm. creative and so cool but hers like I noticed just how like kind of impressionistic it is where like they're not really concerned about the continuity of the colors or the way things are looking it really is about what are you feeling in this moment like there's a moment where she is arguing with her dad and everything looks very green and like her hair looks kind of green. And then he asks her for a hug and she sprints across the room and suddenly everything's pink. And it's mm-hmm. like, they're and just like boldly saying, we don't care about the, the continuity here. We're going to, we're going to care about the feelings. And I think that works so well with this. I'm just amazed at how um, they've got so many different art styles present in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, like each character is animated in a totally different way. Some of them are at different frame rates than other ones. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I think I think I read that it took uh, them three years just to animate Hobie by himself because of how like 
weird, wild graffiti type. Uh, he looks crazy, absolutely nuts. Yeah, and he's one of the he's one of the spider people that has the most going on because he's going from this black and white to sometimes there's color and then it's full color and there's so much going on with that character. Um, I almost want to go watch this a third time because someone <laughs> did point out that they did include spider popsicle. Yes. Oh, I saw. It, yeah, I just saw a tweet about that or something. But yeah. it's one of those things like. I really got to go just so I can focus on that one scene to see if I can notice it. <laughs> um, so, uh, oh, go ahead. oh, well, yeah, I was going to continue on with it. And I loved what you said. I mean, that was getting me teared up right now because I agree. It's like all the, the way that they change the colors to flow with the music and what's going on in the conversations. And um, even through this moment, I, I was reflecting a lot around um, – the amazing Spider-Man because we get a lot of moments with Gwen and her father, like even with Peter and her father, they're like, there's so much going on. And, um, and this, again, it's, it's, it's like very slowly setting up like the canon events. And, and a lot of this within this film, it has to do with the captains, um, and their fate within their universes. Um, but I was going to just continuing moving on of what leads us to connecting with this multiverse is we do get a familiar villain. We get Vulture. And I love the the take on Vulture in this is we got this very, it's like, uh, uh, what year would he be from? Like I can't, Renaissance era. It's like, very Renaissance. It's like yeah. Leonardo da Vinci's like scribbled drawings. Yeah. His, his style was super cool too. Yeah. Um, the jokes that were used there are just so fun just cause it's like, we're fighting, but I'm still going to have the time to make fun of you. And, <laughs> but even from a Renaissance era, some of his abilities were pretty impressive. Like his mask and what he was able to do was just seemed like very futuristic from, from like that, what he was, you know, and, um, another thing that, that you see kind of throughout this film is a lot of references are made and they'll put it in the bottom <laughs> corner, like the definition. Mm hmm. Uh, some of which I thought went a little too fast. I was like trying to read them real quick and then they'd go away before I could finish. Um, but all these little details, um, I thought were just really special. Um, but this, this is kind of what leads us up to, to the first intro, which is basically connecting Gwen into this, um, this full spider verse where she is introduced to this villain that she's familiar with, but it's not her villain. And now we have these two other spider people that just kind of show up through this new technology that they were created using their watch, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. It almost gave me this like power Rangers feel to it, you know, hmm. just like we can just teleport anywhere using our watch like the power Rangers could. <laughs> um, what did we think of our two new people here? Um, I yeah, want I, so much more from him, but I'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I would say like the Issa Rae character, I can't remember her character's name, but she's so cool. And, and I love that what she and Gwen immediately have that kind of a connection. Uh, but then I think Miguel is a really cool character too, as sort mm -hmm. of, um, you know, you're not sure if he's heroic or not for a lot of the film and, uh, fantastically acted, I think by Oscar Isaac as well. I believe mm -hmm. that, uh, Issa Rae's character is Jessica Drew. Is that right? Yeah. That's okay. correct, yes. Yes, and I loved her, thought it was great. I felt kind of bad for the child she is carrying, getting jostled around this whole movie. Um, but yes, Oscar Isaac as uh, as Miguel O'Hara, it 
I kept wishing the whole time. I was like, I love how this is done. I love this uh, animation. But can you imagine if Oscar uh, had actually played Miguel and we got a live action version of this? That would have been chef's kiss. Perfect. It was already pretty much him. Like they, I realize this oh, is yeah. a character from the comics, but that that's Oscar Isaac. Yeah. What else can they, I mean, so Oscar Isaac is the first actor to play three different people in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Really? Wow. I didn't realize that. Um, so uh, he plays um, Apocalypse in X-Men. Oh, that's and right. Then and then he, Moon Knight. He's Moon Knight as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't talk about X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Um, and we'll just go, I'll, they've already announced they're working on a live action Miles Morales movie. So it's, you know, the question is, would, would they bring in Oscar Isaac? Would he do it? Um, that would be really crazy, but I'd be all for it. it. Um, I do agree. Like, like these two characters are so fascinating, but there are certain elements it's, I do wish they would touch more on. And I feel like we'll get that and beyond the spider verse. One of which, like you mentioned was, uh, Jessica drew is, pregnant and she's riding around on a motorcycle and doing all these crazy things and it's like just mentioned at the beginning basically it's like whoa who are you and are you and she's like yeah and like my husband's awesome and it's like but we never get to meet him right like yeah where's he at for a second i, was, I thought maybe she was married to miguel right um <laughs> because they are very they're kind of running everything i mean miguel's kind of the primary person but it does seem like that these two are are running things and there's moments where you kind of focus around jessica drew near the end and i i question motives and where she really stands and how she's feeling about the events that take place um whereas miguel o'hara i've not read any comics around this version of spider-man but now i really want to because like like it said in the movie he's a vampire which we get one moment that I thought was really, really cool. And I wanted to see a lot more of that. And then he's basically like this ninja and then he's a Spider-Man. Like <laughs> that's the coolest thing ever. Um, but yeah, meeting these two people is bringing Gwen into their uh, HQ essentially. And now we're kind of back over to Miles Morales, which I loved his intro because it just felt so fun. He's just kind of in Brooklyn, just being a hero, trying to balance school and prepping for the next school that he's wanting to go to. And, um, you know, here again, we're getting back into the captain uh, storyline because his dad is about to be promoted to captain. Um, So they're throwing a big party, but we're also introduced to Spot. And I really like Spot. <laughs> I thought this was a great villain to bring in. Um, voiced by Jason uh, Schwartzman. Um, it's one of those things, like, I could never remember his name through the movie, but I hear yes. that voice, and I was like, I can see his face, <laughs> but I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, Mason and I both said, whenever we were watching the movie, they we were racking our brains trying yeah. to identify whose voice that was. And then as soon as the name came up on screen, I was like, oh, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At first, um, I thought it was um, the dean from Community because he like <gasps> wears stuff like that, and I was like, "Is that the dean?" Like, no, 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 I think it's Jason Schwartz. Yeah. But there's a real opportunity when this live action movie rolls around. Yeah, How's that guy? Right. <laughs> hey, we're we're in the multiverse ter- ter- uh, territory. Anything could happen. Like they could yeah. definitely do that. 
Yeah, but I love his character design and like the way he's animated and the way his spots work and all that. But then especially like later on, he has a little bit of a visual transformation. Mm-hmm. Looks really cool then too. He almost like he's kind of goofy at first, but then we kind of grow to fear him. But he also has like a Slender Man thing going on a little bit. It's so, like he's creepy yes. even from the beginning, yes. I think. Yeah, they pull off that tonal shift so well. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're meant to kind of underestimate Spot at the beginning because he sucks at doing the one thing he's supposed to do, which is crime. (laughs) But then he becomes an existential threat to every universe within just like an hour. Oh, yeah. Things things definitely move uh, fast. And, um, oh, no. I forgot I'm not on pro Zoom. Sorry, I had to. (laughs) It's saying we only have 10 minutes left. Uh Uh-oh. I no longer have pro zoom, so um, we'll have to figure out what to do here. But um, yeah, diving right back into spot. Um, I love like the little jokes that kind of run on for a while that all he is, is just the villain of the week. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, they think nothing of him like, Oh, here's a guy that's going to rob a convenience store. Like no, no big deal. All we got to do is catch him and lock him away. And you know, everyone's happy again, going back to normal, but we do get, uh, this is really where the connection to Into the Spider-Verse happens because Spot is, I, I guess you'd call him like a scientist or someone who was with Kingpin at the Collider and he was a part of that. Um, this was technology that he was working on. So he actually brought the spider over. So this, we find out that the spider is actually from Earth 42. And this is another thing that's mentioned on pretty quickly is anytime certain characters are referenced, uh, especially from Miguel, he knows where they're from. So he's letting you as the audience know like, well, this Spider-Man is from Earth, this, this, this. This person is from Earth, this, this, this. And kind of building out this full uh, scope of things. So we do find out that the spider comes from Earth-42, which bites Miles and gives him the powers. And this is what sets up more of the story that um, basically we have a universe without a Spider-Man. Like this this spider was meant to bite someone else, whether it could have been miles, it could have been Peter Parker. We don't really, I don't think we necessarily know for sure who was supposed to bite, um, per se, but, um, we get a lot of this connection, which I really love to, to bridge these two movies together. And then this is how we just, how spot gets his powers is he's there during the collider explosion, which gives him these powers. And we kind of just witness over this, I'm calling it like a second intro of he's really learning. He's still in this learning mode. He doesn't really know how to use these spots because he's trying to get money because he wants to build uh, basically another um, collider and like he can't even figure out how to rob an ATM. And um, they're just kind of going all over the city, which I thought was so fun. It's just uh, even when like the um, the cops were like trying to be brave and jump into the spots and just get those classic of like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And nope, I'm going to go down the stairs, <laughs> which is actually, oh. I, I made note of that moment. Cause there's a call. That's kind of a callback to the first movie when mm-hmm. miles is about to jump. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah. uh, no, I'm going down the stairs. Mm-hmm. That's a cool thing to see his dad in that spot. Yeah. I guess the same initial fear of heights. <laughs> but I love like right after that scene, like I kind of, after that fight, you're right. Like we get so much parent stuff and that's, he has sort of a heart to heart with his dad between dad and Spider-Man, not knowing it's him. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think one of the things about this movie, so I went to see it by myself. I thought about taking my kids, like maybe see it first and maybe it's too scary, whatever. I don't think it would be too scary for my kids, but I think they, th- there's so much 
dialogue and like quieter scenes that I love that I think they might maybe they need to be a little older to like fully appreciate. Yeah. And because it is a longer film, uh, it, I was like, this will be a good one for home for them. But, um, but yeah, it's, I love, I love that it takes its time and it slows down and has those, all those dialogue heavy things. But mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, from experience, yeah, the kids got very restless okay. watching this one, but and and I had the same. I was like, I I'm like you. I love every little moment and how they they take their time to explain things, like you said. Uh, but yeah, the action really gets amplifies near the end mm-hmm. because we do get a lot of these quiet moments, um, which they didn't seem to mind, and they weren't really scared by it either. I think mm-hmm. um, they're. You know, maybe a year younger, they probably they've been scared, yeah. <laughs> probably from Spot. <laughs> I was a little concerned about like the Miguel scene because we get this one particular scene where you see that he's a vampire, but it happens mm-hmm. so fast. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's probably for kids, it's forgettable because there's so much that happens in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, here we're we're kind of seeing the uh, we're getting an idea of where this is going to take Spot because he's basically trying to figure out what the spots actually do. And then he discovers, he basically gets sucked into himself, I guess, in a way. And he, he's very brave. You know, and I love how he just kind of states this, like, Hey, I'm going to do this and it's either going to do something or it could just basically evaporate me from existence. And I'm okay with that. I'm just going to go with the flow and figure it out. And he, this happens like twice in the movie. There's a couple of moments where he's like, well, I guess this could be it. It's either going to do what I want or see you later. <laughs> um, but he discovers that his spots are connecting to these other worlds. And this was such a fun sequence. Cause as we mentioned at, earlier, we get the Lego sequence mm-hmm. where he just kind of pops in and he's in this Lego world for uh Spider-Man. And uh, I loved all the voices we got there and, <laughs> Um, even the, the little connection between Miguel and Spider-Man. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, he's like, you're my favorite. It's like, you're on my <laughs> side. Best. We get, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. And we also get, he jumps, he pokes his head into like a live action sequence. Is that supposed to be our earth? I wasn't sure. That is the Venom universe. Woman. So oh, that is the, Venom. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's Venom. The that Venom is Venom. Movies, sorry. <laughs> um, that this was one particular moment, um, where I had to talk to my wife. I was like, do you remember that the scene when he's like in the convenience store talking with the lady? Do you know where that's from? And she's like, no, I was completely lost there. And then I was like, Oh, that, well that's Venom. Like we got to go watch Venom now. So you can, yeah, that went completely over my head. I, I thought it was funny, but I was like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I, at first I thought maybe it was the regular MCU, but then I thought this looks icky. I bet this is Venom. <laughs> yeah. And then the, yeah. he took the, the gum that said Venom mint, and I was like, yeah, it's Venom. Yeah. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, from, from that moment, um, her reaction was like, she didn't really seem phased by that. Like, it, it was like, is that just like a normal Tuesday? And I was like, yes, watch Venom. That is like every Tuesday for her. She's used to it. Um, so, yeah. So, so now we're like really getting into things because we're, we're building out this world. And we finally get the moment where, you know, Gwen is there basically on a mission. Her, her goal is to figure out what spot is up to because, um, you know, dealing with time travel movies, it's like, they know things are going to happen. Do they know? And, and I'm curious to the level of the detail that they know because they have conversations about this, but I don't think we really get a good enough visual to what they're actually seeing. If they can look into the future far enough to know all these different outcomes. 
but um, she's there to basically uh, spy on Spot and figure out what he's up to and not supposed to go see Miles, but she does. And, you know, this is like the, those typical time travel movies. It's like you go there, don't see anyone, don't touch anything, don't do like you get in, get out and everything should be fine. But of course, you know, she misses Miles. So they had to connect and uh, leads us into this uh, whole new world of stuff. Um, but I thought these moments were fun. of just them kind of reconnecting, swinging around the city, just bonding there um you can tell like they're very very close um you know miles he's just wanting more and it's like the second that he sees that watch he's like i gotta get one he's like i gotta go do all this stuff and i you know it's just that's got to be like the kid side of him because he's probably not thinking clearly of the the outcomes you know it's like you know you think like peter parker's gonna take you know he's very scientific he wants to look at all the different uh possibilities of what could happen and i think miles is just in that time of life where he's like i gotta grow i gotta get out of here because uh, that's i think that's the the big part of this is um you know from from like the kids perspective like they're trying to grow they're trying to you know basically with lack of better words like spread their wings and fly they gotta they're wanting to get out of the house and that's where i connected with like the parent element and the connections that we have there um but yeah, like, I don't know. What did y'all think about, you know, this initial connection of them meeting again? I love that. Are we about to get cut off in less than a minute? It's- hey, it's Sharon. And here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
says on my screen? We probably will. I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> okay. Should I just go um, for it? Because I was kind of waiting. Just go for it. Um, yeah, I love that sequence too. I wrote down in my notes, Spidey Date, where they're like swinging around. And, and mm-hmm. so I love like the few moments in the first one where it just like takes its time to like let us see the city scenery. Like like that upside down shot in the first one where he leaps off the building is like such an incredible moment. I feel like we get some of those just like kind of almost like a tableau like still camera we see them swinging around and the sky looks gorgeous and like it leans into that in a way that i really like and also right before that um one of the cool things about the first spider-verse movie too is like the scene where he's listening to post malone and sitting at his desk and kind of getting lost in the music like i remember seeing on youtube like check it out spider-man's listening to post malone how cool is this like we don't get that kind of thing um in most superhero movies but there's a great getting lost in the music moment in this film right before Gwen shows up, you know, he's just been grounded and he lays on his bed and he puts on the headphones and it's that cool James Blake song. Um, but then what I love is like, obviously there's a multiverse reason that this starts happening, but stuff starts floating around his room. And before like Gwen pops in, it's just like this moment of like when you're really lost in it and you're just like, feel like you're floating and like, it's a great little visual. I love that they leaned into that kind mm-hmm. of thing as well. And then of course Gwen shows up and yeah. Did you want, cause yeah, this was, a fun moment because this was actually the teaser and in into the spider-verse so I, I i avoided trailers on this too i don't know why i did that i didn't plan uh, that well the teaser in terms of this was like the post-credit scene oh yeah so i did see that so i knew gwen was going to show up at some point yeah but obviously you don't get the whole like music thing in the in that little post-credit thing yeah and th- again this is like one of the reasons why i love it so much is how they use the music and the sounds and mm-hmm. um and again, it's just like the character development here. It's just like the instant thing of like, he's just like, oh my goodness, she's here, but now I've got a girl in my room and let me quickly like clean up. And she and, sees his drawings of her and mm-hmm. <laughs> how awkward that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this kind of, it's almost like it's a throwback to like a lot of these old like high school movies when, yeah, mm-hmm. you have like, oh, they wrote my name and they're all over their notebook or things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they love that they like swing through the city and then they have like a heart to heart because, and she says like, you can't talk to anyone about this stuff. Like we're the only ones who, who get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think that they've done a tremendous job of like really making us feel that the, the romantic tension between them and like the connection that they have, like star-crossed lovers, mm-hmm. like they, it, it works so well between yeah, those two characters. Definitely. Uh, if there's, there's gotta be like a potential plot hole that I found it's, kind of what this is leading up to is is um they're spending some time together they do end up back at uh his dad's party and here we get this big moment that miles has with his mom um gwen does meet his parents and they they have this kind of awkward interaction right away um and then she leaves but you know we we see this moment where miles mom he sees he sees that like they mean something to each other and you know he's basically just been grounded for like forever but she still allows him to to kind of go and be a kid and take off and um but we get to this moment where he's following her and even like he uses his powers to go invisible to like basically be right there with her but wouldn't you think her spider senses would have gone off like wouldn't she know that mm. he was there it's a good point i didn't think about that it's great dramatic tension in that scene. But yeah, mm-hmm. maybe you're right that it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. 
this um, this kind of leads up to to this other big moment with Spot, where he's he's collected some things and he's building something, and again we get this other moment where he's built this laser uh, again, and it's like, well, this is either going to kill me or something's going to happen. So he just kind of jumps right into it, and uh, this leads to that transformation. So it's like Spot 2.0, maybe. <laughs> Something, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the the reverse version of him because initially yeah, like he's black with white yeah 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 um which is really cool um and then this is where miles first sees jessica drew and again it's like you would think like their spider senses would they would know that he's there because they're there's moments where they're looking at each other um yet he's using his invisibility power and then basically just follows them into their little portal that takes them him to the, you know, the next the next realm and world. And uh, this one, um, they go to India, and this is where we kind of first get introduced to spider the spider people, and we start building more uh, connection there. And I love how they they stick with like the traditional of like let me tell you who I am and here's you know what happened mm-hmm. and kind of their spin on it and this is one of my favorite parts um just because we're getting out cuz you know with Spider-Man you're usually in New York City you're usually just only in the big city and that's kind of what you know and now we're seeing all these different cultures and these different versions of Spider-Man and the abilities that they have and uh I thought this one was like really awesome yeah, it's like Mumbai and Manhattan. Yeah, Mumbai they call it. Yeah, it's yeah. a really creative way to to do that. Yeah, I <laughs> I thought this one was so funny because again, it's just uh, he's got this gorgeous hair, and uh, <laughs> uh, there's a moment that he has with his love interest, and it's just like there, there's like I'm just like you, he doesn't cover his hair, so it's like you gotta know like who else is gonna have hair like that. <laughs> He's like, I don't have to put any product in it. I don't have to study. I don't have to work out. Yeah, yeah he's, he's so funny. Um, and so this this is what this is a, a canon like a, a first canon event that we see is that um, well, first thing that they have to do is they've got to figure out where Spot is. So we kind of learn what Spot's abilities really are right now, and he's basically building his own pathway through the multiverse. And so it's it's layered this challenge because. He's basically everywhere at once in a way. And so they had a, this is how, this is basically why they end up in Mumbai because this is where they, they last see him and they send, um, so miles is going there with Gwen and they're trying to stop spot, which this is where we get the flashback for the first time where he, you kind of, it's like miles is having this vision of what is going to happen or what may happened. Um, that could happen with his dad and he's trying to figure that out. But this is a pretty great actions, uh, scene moment. Cause here we also, uh, are introduced to hobby, Hobie or Hobie, uh, mm-hmm. spider punk. Um, yeah. probably he's a great character. It's what's Daniel Kaluuya. I think doing yes, the voice. Yes. Fantastic voice. Uh, great voice. yeah, the animation style, as you touched on earlier, it's like almost like paper cutouts mm-hmm. uh, or something like though. I don't know how they did that exactly, but it looks amazing. And, uh, yeah, he's like effortlessly cool as well. And also like the tension between, 
um, like he and Gwen have some kind of a connection, mm-hmm. whether it's romantic or not. It's not exactly stated, but it's kind of implied at. Of course, Miles is like, oh, let me uh, let me hear about that, you know, and yeah. he's <laughs> insecure about it. Yeah. Very much. I love Miles's line where after Hobie takes off his mask, he goes, how are you cooler under it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he's so cool. I am expecting or I'm hoping we get a cool fight scene with Miguel and Hobie at some point, because mm-hmm. the thing with Hobie is he's very, he's like, he's like Spider-Man, but he's like the anti-Spider-Man. Like he's there and he's, he's helping them out with all these things. But at the same time, he's just like, I, I kind of don't want to be here. And it's like, I, I'm not, you know, he's just screw the establishment. He's like, I'm going to go do my own thing in my own way. And we do get that moment with miles later on, but, um, Miguel's just like this it's almost like he's this he's trying to be this leader but there's this parent element to him as well because the the inner the way he interacts with these other spider people is just kind of like he's like I don't want to deal with you I'll deal with you later I've had enough of you it's like just the way he words things but Hobie just kind of floats around like you know I'm here like I'm I'm part of the club but yeah I'm going to do my own thing and you're not going to do anything about it yeah, you're right. They're almost opposites in a way in that. And, and I like it, too, because at first, think, oh, it's funny. He's an anarchist. That's just like a mm-hmm. funny little joke. But it's actually important to the story. Like he quits and then he later gives Gwen that that watch. And like mm-hmm. that's an important thing in the in the plot. So I think that's a really creative way to do that, too. Oh, yeah. Um, but I love how it mixes things up because mm-hmm. the whole time it's just wondering, like, who's really aligned? Like, is everyone on this same mission or are people just not really buying what Miguel is saying? Mm-hmm. And but they're but they're scared. Like more than likely, they're just scared because the, the the big question is, what happens if they don't stop these canon events, or you know, yeah. if they stopped them all or let them all happen? Like they don't really know what the end result is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that kind of gets into like really my favorite thing about this movie is how it does that theme like so well so it's like this whole thing about like don't let anyone else write your story for you mm-hmm. and so uh they they eventually tell peter after he gets there like you i mean sorry miles <laughs> so many peters and then there's miles, <laughs> miles that he you know his father's life is going to be in danger and mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about it you have to just let it happen and he's like do you know how messed up that is and like you really see both sides of that so well and i love the tension of that mm-hmm. um and so and it's cool too because we then we get Gwen's side of that as well where she so I'm kind of jumping to the end of the movie if that's okay no go for it yeah <laughs> so where Gwen um, she when she goes back to her universe you know we've had Miles say like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm gonna write my own, I'm gonna do my own thing like everyone's telling me what to do and he's like nah I'm gonna do my own thing which is a great moment too and then there's also like that seed of doubt planted with some of the people. When and especially when Gwen says we're supposed to be the good guys, and you see like um, Amanda Stenberg's character, who's like the Avatar character, she like she has a question, and she also helps Miles, um, and she have those those kind of little seeds of doubt within the ranks, I guess, under Miguel. But then when Gwen gets back home, um, obviously we we are all hoping can can Miles change his story? Can he save mm-hmm. his dad and have it all? Because but is that going to break the universe? We don't know. Whatever. Um, but then when Gwen gets back home, and she basically makes this impassioned you know, plea to her father, like, can't you just help me in this and, and realize there's something bigger than you being a cop and, and all of that. And he quits. And like, that's like, 
her story, like she broke the cycle in a way. And so mm-hmm. it ends up being about these like cycles of cycles of oppression or cycles of uh, trauma. And like, we all, oh, the, the boomer parents are never going to change, but like sometimes they can. And like, mm-hmm. that's really a cool thing. And then, so like we get Gwen's version of that. And then with the way the very end of the movie goes, brings that full circle for miles. And then I think has such cool real world implications. So if the real world implication of Gwen's is like, can the, the boomers ever change kind of thing. Like yeah. Sometimes they can, and like she can rewrite her own story. And so for miles, we get, it's such a creative way to do this. When we get the alternate universe. So when he ends up going back to earth 42 instead, and we see, I mean, so I'm thinking about like, I see I'm an older white guy, but like thinking about like the, the cycles of trauma and things, especially in communities of color and seeing, uh, like what would it mean to a young black kid to watch this and say like, don't let anyone else write your story for you when maybe like Miles's uncle, you're, mm-hmm. you have crime in, in your life. And like, it'd be very easy for you to go that way. And then we see Miles go that way in this alternate universe without the sac- self-sacrificial hero there to, to stop it. So I just love that it, like the whole thing about don't let anyone else write your story. I really think in those final five minutes, like brings it home in such a powerful way to like our actual real world stakes that's that's why i love this movie so much is mm-hmm. really how it ties that all so well together in the end yeah definitely um it's cool and and this is something else I, i'm wondering if they're going to revisit in a way because it, it's like it it starts off in this i can do everything mm. type of moment versus it shifts into like well no you can't or you don't need to be doing this or and you need yeah, it's kind of like how it kind of morphs into that. I can I can build my own story and write it my own way. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's great. Um, and it, it, again, it's like all these little layered questions of like how with Gwen and her dad, how that changed, you know, what impact is that going to have with things moving forward? Yeah, and, did that and, break a canon event for her? Yeah, it is. And then, yeah. of course, the big question is with Miles' dad, which mm-hmm. I guess is saved for the next movie. But yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, because essentially that's the vision that he's getting is he's layering. It's it's almost like these layered canon events where he's basically seeing two different captains, one of which earlier was uh, when they were in India versus he sees his dad, both trying to essentially be heroes, do the right thing, save someone in trouble and get essentially get killed in the process of doing so. Um, yeah, and it's just the struggle of Spider-Man just not accepting that because they want to save everyone and they want to save their family and yeah yeah that was great and then i'll say one more thing and then i'm actually gonna have to drop i'm sorry i've got to get to my next thing but i also i love a good in titles animation sequence and this one has Mm -hmm. a great one so Mm -hmm. yeah getting just to get to the very end of the movie i know there's more stuff to cover in the middle that i can leave (laughs) to you guys but um i love this movie and uh i i hope it gets a wide audience and it seems like it is i think it's doing really well so anyway thank you guys so much for having me i'm sorry i have to drop early but uh i really appreciate it thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts um loved hearing your thoughts on this one and uh yeah hopefully we can do this again for beyond the spider-verse yes absolutely (laughs) all right bye guys bye well do you have any final thoughts around across there's so there's such a long movie there's (laughs) There's so so much much. more we could cover i mean (laughs) You know, there's there's so many it's just there's so many details in this one because we didn't really go through the big chase <laughs> sequence. Um, 
you know, we haven't even gone into Peter B. Parker coming back. Um, no, that was, um, I was thinking if he asked me if there's anything else I want to say at the end, I'm going to be like, we haven't talked about Peter B. Parker and we haven't talked about Mayday Parker. <laughs> oh, um, yes. And it's, it's so cute because first of all, we know from the last movie that, uh, Peter and MJ had had trouble because she was ready to be a mom and wanted to start their family. And he was essentially too chicken (laughs) to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But now they've reconciled and they've got little Mayday who is precious in every single way. And he has taken on the, the full mantle of the new dad. He's uh, schlubbier than before. He's wearing a bathrobe. Uh, He's showing pictures of her to people who do not want (laughs) to see them. Um, and she seems like all in on her daddy's Spider-Man. So she has herself a little knitted mask, which I wonder who knitted that for her. I kind of doubt it was MJ because she doesn't want Mayday going out and doing like fights and stuff with her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I talked about this with Mason and I kind of think maybe out of every portrayal of Spider-Man, Peter B. Parker might be my favorite. Uh, yeah. I, I I can't argue there. I do like Peter B. Parker. Um, I think one of my favorite moments is, is the fact that my kids know that he's Peter B. Parker and they call him that mm-hmm. um, because they were like so hyped. And uh, one of them was just like kind of reliving the moment. But he would he would specify like, do you, he's like, no, 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 it's not Peter Parker. It's Peter B. Parker. Yeah. <laughs> That is so cute. Yeah, it's um, it's brilliant casting, obviously, with Jack Johnson yes. playing him. <laughs> um, and I think I think I've mentioned this before, but last year for Halloween, um, Mason and I were uh, Spider Gwen and Peter B. Parker for for Halloween. And so Mason just got a regular Spider Man outfit and threw sweatpants on over it <laughs> with like boots and stuff. It was so funny until we accidentally scared a kid. Oh no. <laughs> It was so sad. I didn't. I didn't mean to scare him. It was just because we had our masks on, and then we took those off, and he wasn't freaking out anymore. But yeah, that that element, and also uh, Peter talking to Miles about how meeting Miles was essentially what changed his mind about becoming a dad. Yeah, that was really really sweet. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, "I need you to hold my baby because she wouldn't exist if I hadn't met you." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, everybody gets to hold the baby, including Miguel, who does not want to hold the baby. <laughs> Miguel's, so she's just like crawling all over him. <laughs> Miguel just like needs a nap because you know he's got to mm-hmm. be exhausted because he's like. Or is he? Because vampire. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I really hope they, they dive more into that aspect of his character. Um, because we get a little bit of a backstory and this goes into the canon events as we understand that, you know, he's kind of a core cause of it because he found a universe where he has a family and he's happy. And um, the version of Miguel dies in that one. And he chooses to replace to kind of keep that one going. Um, Yeah. Yeah, The, the stuff about, uh, I think they call them like abnormalities or something in this movie uh, where they've somehow veered from the the path. They've Mm -hmm. messed things up in their universe. It reminded me a lot of like in Loki, the variants, Mm -hmm. um, and things like that. But that um, they keep hiding from Miles that part of the reason why Miguel has such a big problem with him is because he is one of those abnormalities because the spider that mm-hmm. bit him wasn't supposed to because it was from a different universe, right. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he calls him the original. He's like, you, you, you're you the first. You are the first abnormality. Um, mm-hmm. 
So you get these moments. Yeah, it's almost like the it's the the blame game. It's mm-hmm. like who really started all this? Was it the fact that Miguel found this and then kind of switched the places? Could it actually be because Miles is the first abnormality? Um, there's just a lot of different things that are going on. Um, even through all of this, through it kind of explaining things, I like how they even showcase some of the live action movies. You know, because yes. they, they do touch on you know even Miles brings up he's like, well, why didn't any of you save Uncle Ben? Um. You know, because we're we're getting it's 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 we're basically getting Captain Stacy and then Uncle Ben. These are like the two big figures that unfortunately don't make it in any of their lives. And um, but it's at the same time, it's kind of reasons why they become Spider Man. They stick with it and become the hero. And man, it's just ah, so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, I guess real quick. Lila, I'm not very familiar with this AI. Um, Me either, but I mean, she she and uh, Miles kind of have a little thing, right? A little bit of a thing <laughs> is happening there. Yeah, um, I need to look up Lila because um, I'm very curious, like who created Lila. I mean, I, I I'm guessing it's probably Peter Parker made this version because um, mm-hmm. this feels like a Tony Stark thing, right? It does a little bit. I mean, she says, doesn't she say that she's an avatar or that she has an avatar? I'm confused. Um, no, that, uh, cause that was, uh, no, Lila was the, like the little. Oh, okay. Okay. I got them mixed up. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's the avatar girl that Miles has a, a thing with. That was, uh, but yeah, the, the AI that, um, Miguel has. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is that? Yeah. No, the, what you were thinking of is spider bite. What was her name? Though? Margo. Margo Kess. Margo. Yeah. Margo, Margo, Margo. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm better now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Again. There's too many people in this movie. <laughs> there's a lot. I think someone said there's, <laughs> you see uh, 240 versions of Spider, Spider-Man in this one. One of which is a popsicle. <laughs> Apparently the popsicle made it in this one. Um, yeah. I got to go back and try to find that. Um, um, but... Yeah, all of this is kind of leading up, you know, we get the big moment when things really kind of start accelerating is is once Miles understand what Miguel's plan is and what he's trying to do and what they're trying to stop him from doing, it basically becomes this huge chase sequence. And you get this teased in the trailer a little bit, but yeah, it's it's uh Miles is able to break free and Miguel basically calls every spider person. He's like, "You got to chase after Spider-Man." And we get the classic you 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 which i love that that was so great um yeah i will never get tired of that gag it's just it's funny every time they do it yeah (laughs) um the technology i want to dive into that real quick felt very matrix like um they have this this machine and this is basically what spider bite is controlling is she's kind of controlling the core computer system that runs this machine, which is like this big spider that builds this kind of digital web around you that can transfer you back to wherever you belong. Mm -hmm. And just how the thing moved, like the setup just to me reminded me of the matrix, which was kind of cool in a way, a little creepy. This is one of those elements (laughs) where like this scare kids. um, Cause it, cause 
the further you get along this one, it does get a bit on the darker side. This starts moving into, cause like once we kind of get to the end where it's like nighttime, especially where miles go. So he miles is sent to earth 42 because the way the machine works is it scans the spider, you know, essentially it'll scan Spider-Man or Spider-Woman look at their DNA to see like which earth are they from and send them back there. Well, in this case, um, you know, it believes that miles is from earth 42, which he's not. And when he goes there, he realizes like, Oh, I'm in the place that has no Spider-Man that mm-hmm. violence is everywhere. Everything's turned around. His uncle Aaron is alive, uh, which we did have. Um, oh, uh, Mahershal Ali mm-hmm. uh, is back to voice uh, uncle Aaron. And in this realm, his dad has died which is wild, Um, which, yeah, it's interesting difference because it's like the watch will allow you to go anywhere, but this technology is kind of specific, which is kind of interesting. But um, so, yeah, it becomes this this whole chase sequence. Um, There's one other spider person I wanted to look more into. It was uh, Ben Riley, I think that's his last name. It's one that Miguel says, come with me, like when when they're trying to go after Miles. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've from the fan like the the Twitter fan verse, the Spider fan verse. I've heard a lot of people weren't happy with how Ben was kind of portrayed, so I want to kind of dive back more into that um, version. It was voiced by Andy Samberg, which he wasn't really in there that long. He didn't like have a big big moment, but I want to kind of learn more about this Spider mm-hmm. Spider person. Um. And so, yeah, this is basically uh, where it leads us up to is that we realize that Miles is not where he should be. He is on Earth 42 and discovers that there is another version of him that instead of becoming a spider person is the villain. Did uh, did you think whenever he got onto the thing that he was going to wind up in Earth 42? Oh, yeah. Well, I did too. Yeah, but... and it kind of showed it too because like, because you see a moment where it, where it scans him and it says Earth 42. Okay, and see, so, I didn't see it say Earth 42, yeah. but I figured, I was like, oh, yeah. we're at that part of the story, aren't we? Yeah. And whenever he landed, I was like, this looks weird. This is definitely not Miles's, mm-hmm. uh, Miles's universe. But uh, Mason had called him by surprise that he was really, really shocked to see that he got moved. And normally Mason is the one who's on it more than I am. <laughs> I did, like, at least in the first watch, I did forget real quick that, oh, he's going to Earth-42 and there's not going to be a spider person. So, like, what's going... Like, initially, it's like, what's going to happen? Like, you could see anyone, basically. You know, I'm trying to... You're trying to reflect back to everything that he's gone through. Like, could Kingpin be ruling everything? Or, like, are we going to see, like, Kingpin's kind of taking over this um, this version of Brooklyn? Um the prowler, you know, essentially, you know, the prowl, the prowler is such a connection to uh, Miles Morales' character. That's that's who we see, and that's basically who Earth forty two version of Miles becomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't. I will. I will admit, I was not thinking at all about it not having a Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. Uh, I guess maybe in the back of my head, I was thinking, well, maybe they don't have to be bitten by a spider to be a Spider Man. Maybe somebody can just decide that they are going to climb buildings and help people. That can be a Spider Man. I don't. Yeah. It doesn't matter if there's not a spider here. 
Um, but yeah, never, I never, uh, in thinking that he had gone there, thought, oh no, this is going to be like a horrible, horrible dumpster fire because <laughs> there's not a spider person there to, to help anyone. But that's very much what it is. Like yeah. you look out at the city horizon at one point and it's just like stuff's on fire and it's all gone wrong. And yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh very dark and gloomy and it's just like leaves that feeling of like what's going to happen because this this earth 42 version of miles clearly does not want to have a conversation he's like very just you need to get out of here like i'll just take you out um but it does wrap up with you know we see that gwen understands like gwen wants to go save miles like that's um you know her friend um Hobie kind of steps in and helps because he's just like, you know, screw the establishment. Like, just go do your thing. Go save him. Now, since he doesn't have the watch anymore, I'm curious to see what's going to happen there. I would guess maybe I'm hoping they'll rescue Miles and maybe that's where they go. Is they'll just mm-hmm. go to Hobie and kind of that be like the safe place for them. Uh, so but we don't really know. <laughs> we don't know yet. Um, but we do see that Gwen basically goes around to build her own team. Um Cause it kind of goes back into, yeah, it kind of goes back into the whole like music and band. Like I'm going to make my own band and I'm going (laughs) to go connect with old friends. So we do get to see all of the spider people that we saw in into the spider verse are back. Um, along with now she's got some new friends. Um, I'm very curious to see where Jessica Drew's going to end up because Jessica just, it's like, she's still with Miguel, but she's monitoring everything very closely. And it's where does she really fall in line? And she just may be more of the hopeful spider woman who's like, maybe Gwen's right. Maybe we can change things and and we don't need to listen to Miguel and we need to try to change Miguel's point of view. Yeah. That's kind of what I anticipate her doing. Yeah. So overall, yeah, uh, what a ride. Um I'm just so impressed with this movie. Just, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, uh, there's so much about this. I love, um, I'm just ready to go dive back into the soundtrack and, uh, we should be getting beyond the spider verse next summer, next March. I believe, I believe it was yeah, March 29th, 2024. Yeah. But we also thought we were going to be getting this one last October. True, so true. Um, um, I have to double check, but I, I'm pretty sure this is the only movie I've rated as five stars this year on Letterboxd, I think. I'll need to double check myself. Well, have you seen Air? I know we're drifting on. I haven't seen Air yet. Okay. Air's pretty fantastic, and I believe I, I rated that one five as well. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I think for all of us, if I'm not mistaken, this is all our number one for this year right now. I think so. Uh, so I think they said that it's the highest rated one they've had on Letterboxd, uh, yeah, like of they, all time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, we still have more superhero movies coming out this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, both Marvel and DC. We got the Flash coming out. We do have the Marvels coming out. Um, so we'll have a lot more content, Marvel specific, that we'll talk about as we uh, continue this year. But thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, our uh, our Zoom is going to cut us out soon, so we got to wrap up. <laughs> uh, once again, be sure to follow us online because we'll be sharing our new logo and some new things there. So be sure to follow us and 
Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back. Probably next episode, we'll be getting back into Jessica Jones as we get ready for new, more new content coming out here in the coming months. Um, mm-hmm. I guess we're going to, if we're going to, if we got to leave with a question, since we're dealing with the spider verse, who's your favorite Spider-Man or version of Spider-Man or Spider-Woman? Do we want to do that? No, I'm good with that. Go for it, kids. Go for it. Uh, Let us know in the comments who is your favorite spider person and why. Would love to know. Um, And we'll kind of share ours in the next episode. So that's it for this one. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you soon. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.